1: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hello and happy Friday. I'm Holly Fry, And I'm Tracy V. Wilson.
1: We talked about monarch butterflies this week. We sure did. And I didn't once drop into my 10-year-old child self and talk... Ad nauseum about the Monarch from Venture Brothers, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is one of my favorite animated shows, and uh, the Monarch as a villain, question mark, is a spectacular and very fun character. Uh, that show, obviously... A little more adult in theme, uh, but really, really wonderful. And they do have a whole thing about milkweed on one of the episodes. How fun. <laughs> And how the monarch became the monarch, mm-hmm. uh, who I won't, I won't do his voice. It's pretty great. But um, this is one of those things that I am curious about, and I'm going to kind of crowdsource from listeners if they're interested in participating. Because, Tracy, I bet you, like me, probably at some point in elementary school— went to see, like, a monarch chrysalis situation on a field trip. Or they came to you in some way.
0: Yeah, so I remember this in two different places, and one was, we had a place that at the time was called the Nature Science Center, which was a, you know, nature museum-type place aimed at children. Uh, and I so I remember there, they would have, like, the little stem of milkweed with the little chrysalis on it, and... Uh, you could see what was going on with lots of interpretive signs about butterflies. But then I also remember something that probably was, like, ordered from a science supply store or something that was, like, mm-hmm. a little classroom, tiny little terrarium-type thing in the classroom.
1: Yeah, I am wondering, and my question to listeners, if anybody has insight, is whether or not they're doing those field trips these days, even, like, pre pandemic because I feel like there are so many more digital resources than we, I mean, we didn't have digital resources when we were in elementary school. So I'm wondering if there's still that kind of like in-person learning experience or if the um that's transitioned more to, to digital and online stuff. I do know that Epcot during, is it during Flower and Garden Festival or during Food and Wine Festival? Epcot at one point during the year does do like a Monarch Uh, garden, and they'll sometimes have uh, a little roosting area that you can go look at. But I think that's a, it would be hard to plan for. You got to kind of catch it at the right time by accident. But yeah, so I'm curious if you have have kiddos that are elementary school age, and they have done a a monarch, you know, study, what if, if they're still doing in person, or if they are, as I suspect, possibly many doing online these days. They're so beautiful. I love them so much. One of my favorite running outfits was the dress that I painted to look like a giant monarch butterfly because I am ridiculous. Um, I also wanted to mention there was an interesting thing about Catesby's two-volume work, uh, Natural History, and his why it took him 20 years to get the second volume out. And a pretty long time to get the first volume out. And I it didn't merit inclusion. We already included a lot of biographical information about people to kind of give timeline context, and I didn't want to keep getting bogged down in that. But when he came back, even though the the Royal Society had paid for all of it, they didn't, like, pay for his book to be made. Mm-hmm. And he... Was very much a hands-on person, and he did not have the funds to, like, pay a printer the normal going rate to get his book published. So he learned the book publishing process himself, like, how to do book plates, how to do everything. Oh, wow. So some of that delay is a learning curve for him. <laughs> and then he sold it via subscription model. It was, like, the original. Mm-hmm. Indiegogo or GoFundMe kind of thing, where, yeah. like, if it meets its goal, I can publish this book. I just thought that was all very fascinating.
0: Yeah, we've talked about various people that have, like, like the model of getting subscribers to get your book printed, uh, but not the learning how to do it yourself part.
1: I'm gonna learn how to run a press. I'm gonna figure out... <laughs> I It appeals to my soul that yeah. that kind of that kind of DIY approach.
0: Yeah, and I'm just thinking about we were uh, was it when we were in I don't know, it was on our West Coast tour, there was a bookbinder museum that I went to. Mm-hmm. And I was literally the only person in the museum. So I basically got like a just by myself guided tour of the whole place. Uh there are a lot of steps in bookbinding methods <laughs> that involved urine. <laughs> so yes. if you were not if you're not schooled in the usage of all of the urine parts that seems like it might be particularly unpleasant
1: <laughs> there's some um, there's a lot of work in the whole thing so uh hats off to you Mr Catesby in history for learning how to do all of that yourself um this was a really interesting one because i I knew about Catalina's story Mm-hmm. She since remarried and she has a different last name. I didn't include it in the episode because as we mentioned, like while she has done some stuff and she has worked with some conservation groups and butterfly interest groups, she's not a big like, I want to be out there in the public eye person, which is why I did not include her current last name, even though it's not Mm -hmm. that hard to find. Um, And I want her to have credit for what she did. But I also want to make sure, you know, you and I normally would not include a person who is still alive in the podcasts, she's an outlier in that regard, so I wanted to be as, like, hyper-respectful of her privacy.
0: Yeah, we have still-living people that come up from time to time, but a lot of times they are still-living people who are, like, a, a lot more publicly visible... Yes. then she is, and so, if so-and-so is a leading academic researcher who does public history all the time, blah, 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 like, that's a different situation from, like, a private citizen who is maintaining a pretty private life at this point.
1: Yeah, and she has even said in interviews, like, I like I like my quiet life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to mess with that. Um, I did notice there was an interview she did with a butterfly group where someone was asking how she viewed this whole thing, and she was saying, you know, People got it wrong for so long, and it's getting better, but also i'm I'm obviously not directly quoting, but basically, like because there have now been decades of misinformation, it's really hard to course correct for a uh-huh. lot of it, which is just an interesting thing to consider. It's kind of like, I mean, I wanted to include that aspect of it because we talk all the time about how, you know, there are versions of history that get completely inadvertently even, or vertently, I don't know, um, you know, kind of written in a way that eliminates key elements or key people in them. And that was one. And it was the same reason that I wanted to include that discussion of the fact that Petiver getting all of his amazing samples, which are lauded still as being like such an incredible collection, is tied to really nefarious and not not... Uh, rosy and delightful pieces of our history yeah um we we always joke that every piece of history we talk about is we always discover is uh traced back to racism and slavery in many cases but I really had not thought about how much naturalist and biological history and our knowledge yeah was tied to the slave trade until I read that paper and then I was like Oh yeah.
0: And also in other parts of the world, like colonialism and Right. Yeah. 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 The good news is you can grow
1: milkweed at home. <laughs> um, which I ordered a bunch of, and I literally while I was working on this, I texted a bunch of my friends. And it was basically like By the way, you're all going to start growing milkweed. I already ordered seeds for everybody. (laughs) I hate to be bossy, but the butterflies need us. Um, I have had various stabs at growing uh, flowers and nectar plants for insects uh, here in my yard with varying degrees of success. But one of the things that I will say, and if you you go check out... um, monarchjointventure.org, which we mentioned at the end of the podcast, they will link you to resources. But one of the things that I did read multiple times is that you should get local milkweed, like the milkweed that naturally grows in your area, because a lot of places sell tropical milkweed. Oh. And that will actually confuse sometimes insects into thinking it's not time to move on. I don't know if that's true. I'm not an entomologist, but definitely, like, local is always better for your area if you're trying to participate in a project like this. Um, so it's easy peasy. You'll have some fun flowers. And then maybe you'll also get cute visitors. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. One of the things that came up in several articles, particularly in this last week, where uh, the, the Extinction uh, Endangered Species Listing was made, Uh, is that several people in the science community have noted, like, this is one of the first species that a lot of people in North America feel a natural connection to because they see them in their yards. And so hopefully, the hope is that, one, people will want to do, like, take those simple steps of, like growing local flowering plants so that insects in your area that are important to the whole biosphere of your area will continue to to thrive but also that it will kind of help people make a bigger connection to conservation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to making bigger efforts towards conservation of species that that they maybe don't have that personal connection to so that is my my hope my hope my hope if you start growing milkweed, send us pictures. (laughs) Tell us all about it and about your success because I'm very curious. Um, I hope we all do such things because I think that would be great. It's easy. You can even do it in a planter. You don't have to have a big tract of land. Uh, So hopefully we'll all improve things and the butterflies will bounce back. I hope. privileges and start earning points toward your next day. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com where travels come true.
2: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year.
1: Oh, Tracy we talked about Ouija this week
2: mm-hmm.
1: he was tricky for me in some ways which you discovered there were parts where I had started a sentence and just vanished <laughs> during it because I there were things about his life that I did not know how to describe in a way <laughs> in a way that would be appropriate for our show because he was as we talked about a womanizer in a way that had some very misogynist leanings mm-hmm. um like he at one point, in his autobiography, talked about um, offering lessons to women who wanted to take photography lessons for their hobby, and he wrote about them, quote, any woman who takes up photography as a hobby has something emotionally lacking in her life. She must be emotionally starved, as I was. So it's like this one-two punch where he's like, you wouldn't do this unless you you needed a thrill, but I also understand because I needed a thrill. Like, it's a mm-hmm. little... He always has this kind of duality where he is self-deprecating at the same time he's insulting other people. And I think in his head that makes it okay. Mm. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, though, about the ways that he championed in his writing, like, not making spectacles out of people who were different. He had this very personal sense of right and wrong, and he relays this one story in his his autobiography where he was asked for photos of what this editor from another magazine that was not in New York called abnormal fellows, and what he meant was men who wore women's clothing. And in it, in it, Ouija said that he called that editor and said. You're not getting the pictures. What's abnormal to you is completely normal to me. Uh, Like, he just was like, no, I'm not going to exploit somebody for your thing. So he had this voyeuristic tendency, but he was also really weirdly protective of, of people on the fringe of society. It's very, very fascinating the New Yorker had a write-up about him in which they <laughs> they put it succinctly and much better than I could where they described him as both exploitative and humane, which is mm-hmm. a, weird, a weird combo, but it, it's part of what makes him so fascinating to me. We mentioned his photos of Dr. Strangelove, and if you are doing calendar math, you may go, wait a minute, Strangelove didn't come out until the 1960s. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the scoop is there. It is always specifically mentioned as a thing that happened when he was in Hollywood, but he was back in New York before that happened, so I don't know if it's like a thing where... And I saw that reported in multiple places, so I wanted to mention it here because it is a little bit weird. I'm not sure what the scoop is there, unless he just got called back by Kubrick for that. There is also an interesting side story about his life, that when he was working at ACME, he was also a fiddle player, and he started playing in a movie theater orchestra <laughs> huh. for a while, and that he hated talkies because once they became a thing and sound attached to picture was more common, he couldn't do that job anymore, which he apparently really loved. And he claimed that he always hated talkies for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that seems like a logical grudge to hold. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention, because it, it, I'm sure someone will ask, he was Jewish. We didn't mention it in the show because it's kind of like when we talked about Theta Bara. he would say things like, oh, I took this holiday off, but he never talked about actually observing any religious practices.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's unclear how connected he was to that as part of his identity versus mm-hmm. like those just being the few days he would take off a year because he was a workaholic without question. Yeah. yeah. You know, he he both wrote about himself and it's corroborated by other accounts that like there would be times when for example like a gangster was expected to be arrested and so press would start to camp out around that person's apartment building. And the other guys would take shifts, and Ouija would just stay the whole time. Like, even if it Mm. took three days, he would not leave. Um, So he kind of had a... a, His circadian rhythms were different than everyone else's, I'll just say. (laughs) (laughs) He could not handle the nine-to-five-day job situation. Yeah. Uh, The other fun factoid about him is that he estimates that in his time at ACME... He took photographs of more than 5,000
0: murders, which is a lot. That's so many. It is so many. I have conflicted feelings about all the crime scene photography. hmm Yeah,
1: it's, um, I mean, it's like, it's like we said, he could be very exploitative and also very humane. It's, it's really interesting to me, especially like when you see the ways he took those pictures is usually pretty unromanticized right it is a straight photo of like a corpse on the ground and then when he takes pictures of people that were often outsiders there is often a little bit more of a loving warmer setup to them which you can see like he feels a greater connection to outsiders right he even talks about like what other people found beautiful, he rarely did. Like, he talked when he was at Vogue about finding models kind of, like, just weird. He didn't understand them. They didn't seem to understand themselves, in his opinion. He didn't find anything attractive about a model. But he was perfectly happy to, like, meet girls on the street and just be like, you want to get in my car? And then they would drive around right. for a while and maybe hook up. Um, so <laughs> it's a little bit of a uh, a strange thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Ouija. Some of his pictures are so beautiful. Some are so upsetting. There's everything in between. Yeah. If you go looking, know that you're probably going to see some blood at minimum.
0: Yeah, I find the really distorted ones um, unnerving. (laughs) I don't love them, but I don't know if it's because
1: I, you know, grew up and came to be interested in photography and art at a time when he had been so much before that I had already seen that kind of photo playing and editing kind of played out. Like to the point where when I find when I actually realized that I was looking at his work, I was like, meh seen it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, his pictures of New York at night are the real are the real like meat and potatoes of his his work and really like the ones that I think most people find the most engaging versus his later stuff where he was kind of it seems much more purposely trying to figure out new ways to make pictures and to make them interesting versus just capturing what was interesting about any given scene on its own anyway that was Ouija if you have time off this weekend I hope you look at some good art it's just good for your soul if you don't have time off i am sorry and i hope that it is as restful as can be and that you do find some moments of solace look at some pretty art that makes you happy um and i hope all of your responsibilities play out as beautifully and ideally as possible everybody be good to each other uh you will find us right back here tomorrow with a classic and then uh, starting on monday we'll have new stuff for you
0: Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: Happy Pride from TomboyX. X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.